I once heard a quote that said, if sleep is not important, it's the biggest waste of time in the world. Why is sleep important? How much sleep do we need? What are the different phases of sleep? Can we get through all our phases of sleep if we wake up in the middle of the night? Today, our conversation is with the sleep doctor himself, Dr. Michael Bruce. Michael is a clinical psychologist and both diplomat of the American Board of Sleep Medicine and a fellow of the American Academy of Sleep Medicine. He's one of the few psychologists in the world who has passed the Sleep Medical Specialty Board without going to medical school. Michael has devoted his entire professional career on figuring sleep out. Why is it important? We talk about the different nutrients that we may consume, we may take before going to sleep that will help us get not only good quantity sleep, but good quality sleep. Today, my conversation with Dr. Michael Bruce on all things sleep. Let's go. Welcome to the Dr. Geo podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Geo, where it is my intention, my goal, and my purpose to help you improve and optimize your prostate health and live better with age. Michael Bruce, thank you How's for being going, on, Dr. brother. Geo? Thank you so much for being on. Oh, it's my absolute pleasure. You know, we've been friends for a long time. I can't believe that I haven't been on the show before. I'm so excited. I can't believe it either. I, honestly, it, it, it's just, a you know, the interesting thing is that so many people had said yes. I, ha I have world-renowned yeah. experts in, of course, prostate, but also other cardiologists and things. And I, yeah. you know, I send an email. Some of them I know. Some of them I really don't know. And they all say, yeah, sure, I'll be on when. I was like, whoa. So, so I've been very fortunate that way. I wanted to get you on. Have you been in my mind for a while? I mean, I think it prompted me when you said, look, can you help my friend with this prostate issue? I said, yep. oh, Michael, yes. <laughs> and by the way, can you be on the podcast? Here you are. Of course. Absolutely. For me, Michael, mm -hmm. sleep is part of the four pillars. Yeah, it's a big In terms deal. of anything <laughs> related to prostate health, even prostate cancer, longevity, whatever you recovery, whatever you want to call it, sleep is one of the four pillars, right? And yeah. and I think and, and so so the four pillars, what are they? They you know, their diet, sleep, exercise, and targeted, very specific nutraceutical supplements. People say, Well, how about stress? You didn't say stress. If you get these four things down right, you're good on the stress side of things, right? Like you yeah, don't totally. really stress that much if you exercise, yeah. eat well, right. and sleep well, and take certain yeah. nutraceutical supplements. So yeah. it's very important. The research is overwhelming on that. Yeah. Oh yeah. So let's start with this. Hmm. What are we when we're sleeping? What are we trying to accomplish? What is it that we're trying right. to accomplish in terms of the phases and things that we need to go through in terms of to, to get restorative, good sleep? Well, so the way I like to think about it is it's across an evening, you really are looking for two major categories of re recovery, physical recovery and mental recovery, right? Mm -hmm. And both are occurring simultaneously, kind of, sort of. So mm -hmm. what we know is that the different stages of sleep is where a lot of these things occur primarily. So as an example, stages three and four sleep, or what we call delta sleep or deep sleep, 
is where the largest amount of physical restoration occurs. This occurs in several different ways. One, this is when the largest bolus of human growth hormone is emitted, which means everything gets repaired. It kind of like bringing the car into the body shop, mm-hmm. getting the dents and the dinks and the, you know, the scratches kind of pulled out. Also during stage three, four sleep, the trash gets taken out in the form of the glymphatic system, which is kind of the waste management system of the brain and sort of all of the discharge from the neurotransmission of the day kind of it, it piles up into these things called beta amyloid and tau. And if you don't, if you don't grab that and pull that out of there, it gets really crowded. It strangles the nerves. And this is what we refer to as dementia. So, you know, those two things go on during stage three, four sleep. So you want to get good stage three, four sleep, right? Then there's REM sleep. Um, REM sleep is you know, rapid eye movement sleep. 80% of the time you're in this, you're dreaming. And for folks to really understand, dreams are emotional metabolism, mm. okay? What do you mean by that? So, so what I mean by that is when you're dreaming, what's happening is you're processing emotion from the day, whatever mm-hmm. has happened to you during the day. And through that, that processing, you're moving information from your short-term memory to your long-term memory. Okay. Mm-hmm. And that's how you process through it, especially when it's emotional information. Somebody hurt your feelings, somebody made you happy, you fell in love, whatever it is, right? So all of that gets processed through your dreams. And so that's where all of that mental restoration occurs. Stages one and two are what we call light sleep. There are some important things that happen in there, don't get me wrong, but it's really those, the other areas are really what I tell most of my patients they should have some concern around them. Now, so at the end of the day, we're looking we, at the end of the day for good, restful sleep. We need deep and we need REM, period, end of story. But you cannot get you cannot get to deep or REM without stages one and two first. Is that right? That's correct. That is correct. And okay. so you have to do kind of a dance maneuver. <laughs> like it's very specific steps you have to do to get there. So you go from wake to stage one, from stage one to stage two, from stage two to stage three and four, back to stage two and then into REM. And so you have to actually follow almost that exact path in order to get there. And so, and if you don't, you wake up in the middle, guess what? You go back to the beginning. So so if you wake up in the middle of the night to go yeah. to the bathroom, yeah, and that's a big deal in my world, that happens often, or you sure. are in stage two. You wake up to go to the bathroom. Absolutely. You have to start, you have to start from stage one again? Yep. Doesn't do. matter how long that took, even if it took one minute? Nope, doesn't matter. So... So there are a lot of people out there that are never getting to stage three and four. You got it. Exactly. Okay. Because of enlarged prostate, um, which is usually the first question I'm asking when somebody tells me that they're going to bathroom more than once a night. Like one time a night, I can kind of understand it. But generally speaking, that also tells me that they're in light sleep. And I probably want to do a sleep study on them because they probably have sleep apnea. And so that's usually where I find that kind of occurring. And then it usually isn't the prostate. In those types of cases, it's usually just nocturia from sleep apnea. That's um, right. So, but, you know, as a general understanding of it all, it's it, it like for people who'd like to use trackers, you know, whether it's the aura ring or the whoop wristband or the Garmin thing or chest strap. I don't know. You know, there's a you million know, I, things I, I, You're going to love it because I have them all. I, yeah, I have, see, I have, yeah, I have well, all the wearables. Right. right. And so it, whatever you're looking at, I, number one, I think it's, 
I heard Nate Watson, former um, uh, president of the American Academy of Sleep Medicine, say this. He said he thinks trackers are good because people are thinking about their sleep. And I like that idea. I, I like people wanting to learn more about their health, uh, learn more about their sleep, what their HRV is, you know, their heart rate variability turns out to be a metric that's valuable in any specialty, whether it's urology or sleep or, mm -hmm. you know, you know, whatever, I mean, everything really, you know, gastroenterology, I mean, the list goes on and on. So, I mean, I think there's a lot. It could be a stressor, Michael. Well, they so I was just going to get to, there is something <laughs> that we've seen now called orthosomnia. Yeah. which is when people watch the data too much that it freaks them out. And then they're like, oh, shit, I didn't get a, you know, a score of 100 and blah, That's blah, right. blah, blah, blah. That's and right. so so for my patients, I have a lot of them wearing devices because I treat people that are very mobile all over the world, celebrities, CEOs, those kind of folks. They're only supposed to be checking their data once a week. I can check their data as much as I want because I'm looking for trends and trying to give them updated information. But as a general guideline, I tell all of them, look, don't just upload it, but you don't need to look at it. Okay. Just I'll look at it for you. That's my job, not yours. And then we'll discuss it. And they actually, after a while, really enjoy that idea. I love it. I love it. So I, around REM also, it's where you secrete a lot of testosterone in men. So oh. I like it, it very important. I, I always say that if you wake up with an erection, that's a good sign. That's a yeah. decent sign that you slept well. Now, yes. you don't always wake up with one. Men will still have a few and not know it. But if you wake up with one, that's a decent sign that you had good sleep. Mm -hmm. So how – so here's what, what I like to do moving forward. I will. Okay. So the, the goal is to reach REM and deep sleep at the end of the day, period, end of story. Yep. How Absolutely. long do we need to stay in each each so each usually it's a, mm -hmm. yeah, we really think of it as a percentage of the evening of, or of this bout of sleep, about 25% of each one. Now, okay. as so we get older. percent between deep and REM. Right. But that's for, I mean, I would say a man 18 to 45. Okay. Once you kind of get past that 45, 50 age range, we start to see deep sleep starts to slow down pretty significantly because- we even have to score it differently in the sleep laboratory. So once people reach a certain age, um, we actually have to change the scoring criteria of their EEG waveforms because their EEG waveforms change as you age um, in order to capture, because otherwise it looks like they have no deep sleep, uh, which mm. we know they have some, it's just very muted, right? So you, like, you have to think of it as kind of a, a bit of a moving target. The bigger goal I tell people is consistency because you know, the water kind of finds its own, you know, sort of depth with consistency. And so being able to wake up, specifically wake up the same time, seven days a week, like if you could do one thing to work on your sleep, it's wake up same time every single day, seven days a week. Because what that does is that puts your melatonin on a very regularized schedule mm -hmm. where it knows when it's going on, when it's coming off, when it's going on, when it's coming off. And that becomes very important because then what happens is everything else starts to work better and you will get the exact amount of deep sleep that your body needs and the exact amount of REM sleep because you're in your zone, if you will, for sleep. Now, it turns out that, that it's actually easy to figure out what your zone is because it's based on something called your chronotype. 
And that's kind of my big thing is teaching people how to figure out what their chronotypes are. And so if you can sleep within your chronotypical swim lane, naturally you will get all of what you need in terms of your amounts of sleep. You said they have, it's a good idea for everyone to wake up at at the same time every day. Is it, Mm -hmm. does it, work the same way with regards to at the time that they go to sleep the night before? So they should go to sleep around the same time and wake up around the same time? Yes and no, right? So here's the thing. I don't want to tell people, look, you can't go out and stay out a little bit later and go to the movies with somebody that you want to, or, you know, go have, you know, uh, you know, time with somebody and hang out with somebody a little bit later than normal. But kind of, you know, don't make it a habit of staying up late because like, again, you're not setting yourself up for productivity emotionally, physically, you know, financially, in any way, shape, or form if you're meeting the next day, sleepy, groggy, not able to pay attention, you know, mm. all of those things, which will happen because your circadian of you shifting your circadian rhythms. That's why if you just did one thing and make that consistent, it really has effects on everything. Also, people don't understand, but when you regularize your sleep schedule, you regularize your entire circadian rhythm. There are over 300 rhythms in your body. So there's a digestion rhythm. There's a rhythm for your kidneys. There's a rhythm for your liver. And so when all of it gets into a pattern, that's when the body works its best. And that's when your body is most efficient. And so by, by being able to follow a regularized sleep schedule, you end up affecting a lot of areas that that you'd be surprised. We see this happen a lot, for example, with uh, refractory hypertension. So Mm. this is very common in men where they have high blood pressure that medication just doesn't work on, right? Mm. And a lot of people don't know what to do. When we sleep put uh, these men through uh, home-based sleep studies, they don't even have to go into the lab. What we find is like almost, I think it's 86 or 87% of them have obstructive sleep apnea. As soon as we treat this obstructive sleep apnea, Boom, not only the hypertension is not only treatable by medication, but most of them don't even need it because we treated the sleep apnea and that's what was Mm. leading to the high blood pressure. So, and that's an example of quality of sleep, right? Again, if you're not getting the quality of sleep, your body is not acting efficiently. Therefore, all of those things are not kind of moving in sync in the way they should. Sorry, long-winded answer. (laughs) No, I love it. Please. Is there wiggle room with that wake-up time? So I'll tell you, from Monday to Friday, I wake up pretty much, you know, at the same time. Maybe mm-hmm. on Saturdays an hour later. I still wake up really early, but it's an hour later. Sundays yeah. is uh, so. Does that make a difference, or you ha- you should try to? What's the wiggle room there, if, if any, that yeah, you know? Of? I'd say the wiggle room, if any, is probably fifteen minutes, twenty minutes. Oh wow, it's not much. It's really not. <laughs> um, well, not because much. if you think about it, a full sleep cycle is ninety minutes. Mm -hmm. Right. And so if you spend an hour, that's two thirds of a full sleep cycle difference. That Mm -hmm. feels like enough to knock off your circadian rhythm. But 20 minutes, which would be one third of a sleep cycle, doesn't feel like enough to that push, you know, your circadian rhythm off that. That's kind of my logic there. Wow. So regardless at what time you go to bed, ideally, you should try to go to bed at the same time, wake up at the same time. But let's say you go to bed two hours later, still wake up at the same time. Yeah. But I would say one thing here, Gio, is the lower level limit is five and a half hours. Okay. Mm, So, 
So because we don't want people, and if you buy, and by the way, if you only sleep five and a half hours, don't drive, right? So not a wise idea to get behind the wheel of a car. Your reaction time will be. That's a lot of people I know. (laughs) That's a lot of people I know that sleep, you know, five hour nights and and are driving. Wow. Yeah, no. I mean, the data is very consistent. If you sleep five hours a night, you are driving like you're blowing. Like, I think it's a 0.08 drunk. Wow. Yeah. You know, I have to say for someone that A, a New Yorker, B, you know, does many things, a lot of things, three kids on my aura ring, I average and, you know, so, you know, the aura ring tells you the time, the amount of time you've been in bed Hmm? versus the amount of time that you're actually sleeping. Right, right, right. And I sleep six and a half hours. I'm actually pretty proud about that. (laughs) The kind of life that I have and all the things that I do. Yeah, and you know what? I think that I just prioritize it. Honestly, I don't play games with my sleep. I think that's. I think yeah. if we can develop that, and if, if the audience, those that are listening, could cre- create a habit of just prioritizing. I think yes, some people have serious insomnia. Yes, their sleep. There's yeah. a lot. There's some sleep disturbances and issues and dysfunction that occurs. That's clinical. But I think for most right. of us, is if we just pri- particularly men, you know, men yeah. still have this attitude, Michael. You know this well. I mean, I'll sleep when I die. I don't got time to yeah. sleep. I need to right. produce Absolutely. and blah blah blah. And I think yeah. that's a short term view, right? That I think in the long, well, they'll get they'll be more productive for a longer mm-hmm. period of time, and everything yeah. they want to achieve, they can achieve if they value and prioritize sleep. Well, let me. I, I'll tell you my story, and you decide. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I, you've known me for a long time. Yeah. I, this is pre COVID. Mm. I'm going back now eight years or so. Maybe mm. now, maybe, yeah, maybe eight years. So I was burning the candle at every possible end. I was lecturing as much as I possibly could. I had two kids who were going to college. I was trying to really buckle down. We were renting. We didn't own. Uh, I was living in California, super expensive and really. I took every single opportunity that I could. And when I, and I worked out all the time, that's how I relieved my stress. So after my lectures, when I was all amped up, I'd get on the treadmill and I'd run for an hour, you know, straight, you know, all out the whole thing. And I eventually over the course of not that much time. Oh, and I was intermittent fasting on top of it all because I was like, why not? And, you know, I really whacked out my electrolytes. And I ended up having a cardiac event in a restaurant uh, with my wife right there. Um, thankfully, I was with two physicians um, who were um, with us at dinner. Uh, and one of them caught my head as I was passing out, you know, and it was a real wake up call to me to be like, you know, you can overdo it, right? Uh, when you do too much and you can underdo it when you don't do enough. And you've really, you know, life is very precious, you know, and you just, you know, my wife said she looked down at me and she was sure I was dead, you Mm. know, and she was, I mean, it's a horrible thing to say, a horrible feeling, but she was sure of it, you know, and you, you have an experience like that. You really start to think through what are the priorities? What are the things that I need to really think about here? And, you know, one of them, if you're not thinking about sleep as a priority, Right. And you're too busy exercising or you're too busy trying to make money or you're too busy, you know, doing whatever you are going to shorten your ability to do all of those things. That is a guarantee. And if you're 
unlucky uh, like I was, or actually I should think of myself as lucky actually because I'm still around. But yep. uh, if you're unlucky, um, you can end up with a cardiac event yourself. Uh, and you know, if you don't pay close attention to what you're doing and too much. And also I got to say one other thing, G is I've never, re it's so stressful out there right now. Yeah. Like it is such a stressful universe right now. I mean, yeah. we've got the terrorism, we've yeah. got, you know, war, We've got, you know, you know, I mean, I mean, the list goes on an election coming up. We've got climate change. I mean, all this crazy stuff. The stress is off the charts. Right. And while I don't disagree with you, your four pillars are important. Stress is really affecting people's sleep. And we need to have we really need to, you know, think about how do we help people with stress? Because stress really, you know, blocks sleep in a lot of ways because it causes right. anxiety. Right. So yeah, absolutely. They work hand in hand. Um, I have, you know, I have incorporated actually recently because I saw that here I am saying, look, you got to sleep better, but actually the cause of the sleep problem oftentimes is the, the inability to uh, de-stress or manage stress <laughs> properly. First of all, I'm really happy you're okay right now. And I'm really, thank you for sharing your story. I'm sorry that it even happened, but sometimes as men, I always say, you know, I, I always say, you know, men, you know, we are really smart in certain areas, but we're idiots in other areas. And we need a wake up call. And the wake up call is either a prostate cancer diagnosis or a cardiac event or something to make change. You would think yeah. that we would make the change, you right. know, to prevent some of these things. And the answer is that's not how we that's not how we roll. So. So you attribute that event to a highly stressed life and poor sleep quality? Absolutely. Because I was shrinking my sleep. I was in, you know, intermittent fasting. My sleep was a very, was much less than it normally should have been. I was overstressed and my body wasn't functioning correct, you know? And then add on top of that, I was running like, you know, five and seven miles a night. Like who does that? Like it's stupid. And Actually, a lot of people do, and a lot of executives do exactly that. They sleep, they don't sleep much. There is a typical mentality of go adrenaline junkies, CrossFit, ultra marathons, triathlons, CEO of a company, you know, mm -hmm. three kids. Right. And yeah. I've had to pull, you have to, I've had to have some patients pull back and say, look, I, I, this is an inconvenient truth. I love the fact that you love exercising and you have that desire, but it's, it, it, you know, it's affecting you negatively, not positively. Actually, your body's breaking right. down from the excess activity. So, wow. Thank you for, so this is the sleep doctor actually going through his own experience, which is absolutely. actually brings it home. Absolutely. Well, you know, and I mean, I mean, I think that's the thing that's important here is it's like, I don't think any of us are above it. Yeah. You know, like we, we all have our stuff, right. And we're all, and we're all trying to just kind of get through, you know, through life and understand it. And, you know, whether we have prostate issues, whether we have sleep, whatever the issues are, you know, we're trying to, we're trying to kind of figure it out and make it through reasonably unscathed and hopefully leave behind a legacy of, helping people and some children that we love and care about and hopefully doing something great for the community. Right. And when all of that is going on, you know, it's, you, you just start to think through these ideas of, well, what's important, 
you know, and, you know, what do I need to have in order to get to some of these big goals? You know, I would argue one is sleep and other is prostate health, right? You know, especially for men. <laughs> so, you know, yeah. like at the end of it all, like that, those are things that if you don't think about them starting at an early age, right, you know, then all of a sudden you're really playing catch up for a life that could have, you could have led that could have been much more enjoyable with much fewer complications if you just, you know, like got an exam when you should, or, you know, do the right, you know, all the things that are, you know, have the ability to do. And the funny thing is the irony here is that prior to us hitting record, hitting the record button, you don't have to get into details, but you actually did very well after that incident. You probably took better yeah. care of yourself and your business did really yes. well, probably better than it's ever done before, ironically. Oh. Yeah, absolutely. That's exactly right? what it was. Yeah, I oh, ended up. So, so my you didn't get this idea of go and sacrifice. Not even your business did as well as it did after yeah. you started taking better care of yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, I'll tell you what I did, which was kind of, it's kind of funny is I just turned to my assistant and I was like, and I mean, I'm not saying everybody can do this. All right. But I just turned to her and I said, here's the deal is I'm not taking a call before 9am period. That's how it's going to work from now on. And from seven to nine, I want you to text me at 645 and tell me what my schedule is for the day. And then from seven to nine, I'm going to the gym. I'm not answering emails. And then I'm going to hit the sauna. And then at nine o'clock, when I hit the desk, I'm going to be ready to roll. We're going to do 20 minute catch up, you know? And so then business starts at like nine 20, right? I said, every two and a half hours, you put in these 15 minutes breaks for me. I get an hour lunch every day and you can't move any of this, right? This mm. is the structure. And it, all of the sudden I had scheduled in things for myself that became really important, right? And then all of a sudden I said to myself, you know what, I I've got these meetings back to back. Instead of having half an hour meetings, I'm gonna have 25 minute meetings and then five minutes to write down notes from the previous meeting because mm -hmm. otherwise things are getting jumbled in my head. I mean, there's only so much I can remember, you know, that kind of stuff, right? And so now, then I, I talked to her and I said, okay, now make these meetings. Then I was like, you know what? I think we could fit all of this into four days. I said, let's just take Fridays off. And she was like, I'm up for that. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's and great. Sudden, my Fridays were off and I just, we just didn't schedule me on Fridays, right? And all of this, and yet I was as productive as I had ever been. Sure. If not more so, right? Sure. It, because I had this structure that also allowed me to really take care of my stress in a very unique way, which was ended up being super helpful for me. Love it. I think so many people are going to benefit from that information. I think that the, you know, the strong takeaway there is that, first of all, when you are on the daily grind, you don't have an opportunity to even think what's best for you, what's a better approach, how to schedule things differently, health. You, you're just not thinking. And I think nope. you need time away to, and sometimes I'm not kidding. Look, I had a patient who had a renal failure. He was in a hospital. He was a principal of a school, hospital for a week. His sister comes to see him and says, you know, Paul, my goodness, I've never seen, she's crying. I've never seen you like this. I can't believe that you are here and that, you know, your renal failure, you almost came to, oh God, you know, came close to dying. Where? He looks at her, he says, honey, I am doing just fine right here. 
<laughs> in the hospital, hospitalized. This is the first time he, he's had a stress-free right. moment <laughs> and, 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 and time to think and kind of unapologetically guilt-free. So the idea is for those that are listening, you know, don't wait for that to happen. Take the time off to, are you doing things in the most efficient way, in a way that is conducive to your health? And, you know, what are your health goals? You know, those are really important questions. What do you value? I think good relationships with family members and kids does have an effect on health, actually. If it's a good relationship, it's a positive effect. So those kinds of things. Michael, back to, so back to you know, this idea of after a certain age, you know, it's just a nature. You're going to sleep less and you're going to have de- less sleep, less REM. Is that nature? Nurture? Are there some cultures around the world where they don't live in our type of society where older people still get, you know, 50 percent uh, deep and REM? Uh, or can we do anything about that? Should we do anything about that? What's the deal? So it's a fair question. You know, in less industrialized societies, yes, they do have large, they still have, keep large amounts of these amounts of sleep where, you know, they don't have running water and lights and blah, 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 blah. But we're not talking about that. Here are the biggest things that we can do to help with sleep is caffeine. You know, it's the dirty word of all of sleep, but at the end of the day, it has zero nutritional value and we just don't need it. And it does have an effect on sleep, not only falling asleep, but the quality of the sleep. Your what's called arousal threshold is directly affected by how much caffeine you have in your system. Also, some people are fast caffeine metabolizers. Some are slow caffeine metabolizers. Caffeine has a half-life of between six and eight hours. So half of the amount is still in your system eight hours later. The quarter life is 12 hours So Mm. that cup of coffee at noon, that fourth cup of coffee at noon that you have is still wandering around your brain at midnight, right? So at the end of it all, if you could eliminate caffeine from your system, but please don't do it all at once. Do not go cold turkey. I've had two patients end up in the ER. Not a good idea. Um, Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. One couldn't stop throwing up. Oh, it was awful. Just awful. So be careful, kind of fade the caffeine out of your system, like taper it down over time. But if you can get caffeine out, I think that's a really good one. And then to be fair, it's alcohol. So many people uh, use alcohol as a sleep aid. It's the number one sleep aid in the world, actually. And it's just, while it does make you feel sleepy, to be fair, it just destroys deep sleep, which is that physical restoration which is the thing that all of us really need to get plenty of. You just of. don't and get so, there. With, uh, you just yeah. don't get there. So uh, how long before bedtime should we have our last drink if we're going to drink? Yeah. So here's how I tell people. is Here's how my rule kind of works is you want to limit yourself to two drinks and you want to quit by three hours before lights out. So here's how it would work is if you go to dinner at, let's say, 6.30, 7 o'clock, right? Have your first glass of wine. Second glass of wine comes in around 7.30. You're done at 8. Okay. In between each of those glasses of wine, have a glass of water. Simply because you should really be replacing fluids. Alcohol is a diuretic. You're going to have to start peeing anyway. You might as well start to flush it out. Then you've got, you've stopped at 8. You're going to bed at 11. That's three hours. You're good to go. It's not going to have a big effect on your sleep whatsoever Mm -hmm. because it takes the average human about one hour per alcoholic beverage. And is there anything we can do in between? I know you said water, but, you know, for example, I know when I drink, not a heavy drinker at all, mm-hmm. but I, I want to wake up. Fre- My goal is to wake up 
fresh in the morning, regardless. That's yeah. my goal. So, so I have got to hydrate. That yeah. is one of the biggest factors. I take, uh, when I say, so when I hydrate, I do it with electrolytes, not just H2O. Yeah, is, there, is there a benefit there? There is a benefit there. The big things that you're losing is vitamin B and zinc with the alcohol. And so, and that's usually in with the electrolytes as well. So, you know, if you can get that going in you, it's always going to work well. I personally think that to Advil is never a bad idea. Um, really? I found it to be very helpful. In terms of preventing a hangover or just for other reasons? For both, because here's the thing is alcohol is so inflammatory to your system. If you throw an, a decent anti-inflammatory at it while it's kind of in there, my theory is that it kind of, it lowers that level of total inflammation in there, which could be helpful for sleep. So I, I tell people hydrate, you know, throw a couple Advil down your throat and, you know, really be thoughtful. Like don't do the double whammy and drink alcohol and stay out later than normal. Okay. Like, because right? now you're really hurting yourself. Right. So you're like killing a lot of people by saying that. I, I get mean, it. That's what, people, I mean, that's what like, people do. Right. Yeah. But I mean, at the end of the day, like nobody wanders into bad sleep, you know, unannounced. Right. It's like, nobody like woke up one day and said, Holy shit, I'm an insomniac now. Like it doesn't really work that way. It's like when you do really dumb things to your sleep long enough, Guess what happens? Your sleep gets messed up, you know, or now that's one kind of insomnia. Other types of insomnia are more anxiety provoking, right? And that's that's a completely different type of insomnia where people have an anxiety disorder or anxiety surrounding something like terrorism or pain or what have you that can drive insomnia as well. So, you know, there's a lot of different ways to kind of get to a sleep problem. But like, to be fair, I don't understand how anybody can sit back and think, Oh, caffeine and alcohol, you know, that, that's okay for my sleep. Like, come on. Fascinating. All right. So I'm going to tell you yeah. my discussions with patients as it relates to sleep. And sure. I'm going to go one by one and you're going to fix the story for me a little bit. You're going to say, yeah, that's good, but whatever. Or Gio, yeah, you got yeah. it all wrong. <laughs> Your patients yeah. are in trouble. You can say whatever you want. It's okay. Sure, uh, I love um, it. So certainly you, you answered some of them already. So as it relates to, so I do tell them, look, it's less, it's less important in an ideal world. You get seven to nine hours of sleep a night and right. you go to sleep at the same time, wake up at the same time every day. Right. We don't live in an ideal world. We don't live in a, a right. natural world. So it is, if you have to choose one sleep, go to sleep at the same time and have the same wake up time. And you mentioned right. that, and that's the most important thing. So even if right. you're sleeping five hours, sleep, you know, go to sleep at the same time. Wake up at this. So consistently. Yeah. So that's the, one of the first things I say, because I want, remember, that's just sleep. Dietarily, yeah. I have to help them extra. So if I'm throwing too much, yeah. Oh, no, I, I totally agree. You can't give you know. them too much. That's the right. best first thing that they can do. Right. Guaranteed. Second to that, we have the mm -hmm. discussion of what to eat and drink or not to eat and drink before sleep so that you can get right. to deep and REM. So right. uh, make your last meal at mm -hmm. uh, three hours before sleep, before you go to okay. bed. Same thing with alcohol, with caffeine, not after noon. I do give some wiggle room to those that are fast metabolizers i am yep. one of them so maybe i am biased and so i shouldn't be biased with patients but with fast metabolizers for example i can have an espresso eat well first of all i'm cuban so <laughs> with this 
cultural component of having a little espresso after a meal. Don't yeah. always have it because there's no reason to, but I have yeah. it when I can. And I'm going to sleep. And of course, the question is the quality of sleep. Right. If when I have an espresso, it's typically Friday, Saturday, where I'm going to sleep, you know, longer than usual, which is about six and a half hours and not five and a half hours. My right. aura ring says you got a good amount of deep end. So I guess the question is for those that if they know that they're fast metabolizers, what's the wiggle room there? Is an espresso after a meal still a bad idea? Um, or like, like, because I, I find I've it to be complete. It. By the way, an ex coffee doesn't keep me up. Right. I, I don't. I can. I if I'm tired and sleepy, coffee. Oh, drink more coffee. That doesn't do it for me. So right. So it's fascinating. So I had this discussion with my own personal doctor. Mm -hmm. So I have a doctor. When I lived in Arizona, she's still my doctor now, and she has an espresso every night before bed. Literally just knocks it back and closes her eyes. Okay. And I've, you know, I've given her such a hard time. I'm like, Carrie, you can't keep doing this. Like I'm the sleep doctor. Like you're driving me crazy, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. And she said, caffeine doesn't affect me. Caffeine doesn't affect me. And I'm like, bullshit. I'm like, and so I said, let's run an enzyme panel on you and see if you have the right enzymes to actually metabolize caffeine. Because if you don't right. have the enzymes then you can't metabolize them, and then that would make perfect sense. Guess what? She doesn't have the enzymes for caffeine. And so it wouldn't surprise me that there might be a cultural basis to that whole idea that right. would come yeah. through cultures that had very heavy caffeine use because right. over the course of time, your genetics, I would argue, would probably have to evolve <laughs> um, so that you could sleep with caffeine with amounts of caffeine in your system based on your genetic cultural history. Right. Perfect. So I do get genetic testing on patients to know these kinds of things and to know what their predispositions, what they can metabolize and not. So that's right. And I, by the way, I don't have that enzyme either. Yeah. See, so that's what's fascinating. Like, you know, it's bizarre, but it, but here's the thing. Lots of people think they have that. They don't have that enzyme. Okay. Right. And they do. So right. go have yourself tested and figure it out because at the end of the day, like you're not like you can't fool mother nature, right? Like, like if you put enough caffeine in your system, you're not going to sleep. And if you do sleep, the sleep you get is going to be crap. And so at the end of the day, like you, you're, you can't keep fooling it. Like caffeine is not a substitute for sleep. It doesn't work that way. Excellent. What's the, what should a dinner look like for better mm -hmm. sleep? So there's controversy there. Some people say, look, you want your carbs at night. You don't want carbs in the morning. You want carbs but you want more carbs at night, as an example. People right. that do fasting actually starts interfering with sleep right. because there's a stressor, so cortisol levels rise if they're fasting for multiple days, as an example. Those that do ketogenic diet is a stressor mm -hmm. in the body initially. They have a harder the time sleeping. And the, right. yep. So what's the story there? What's the, what's the, what's well, the perfect dinner for, better, for best sleep? Yeah. Well, first of all, I wanted to comment that I think you're telling your patients the right thing with your numbers of when they should have what. So I wanted mm -hmm. to say yes to that. But right. when you're looking at actual foods for sleep, here's the thing is it's better to look at not foods, but more macro categories. So carbohydrates, proteins, fats, things of that nature. Right. And so what's going to give you energy is protein and fat what is going to make you have more serotonin in your system, thereby making you feel more relaxed, probably even some dopamine, is going to be sugar and carbohydrates, right? And so 
having some sugar and carbohydrates is not the end of the universe. I mean, your body needs it and it's okay. But at the end of the day, if you're trying to follow like a ketogenic lifestyle, you will notice that you're, you're, it will be more difficult for you to sleep. Now, let's say you're going to be keto and you want to get great sleep. What can you do? If you up your omegas, uh, that can be helpful. So fatty tuna, you know, salmon, anything that's high in omegas, I think is could be helpful. Also looking at your lean meats could be a, an, another option. You can get more protein out of certain lean meats like venison or things like that. We just had this new place open up nearby called Wild Fork and they've got like every kind of meat you could possibly imagine. Oh, wow. It's nice. Kind of, it's kind of bizarre. So I think that's part of it. I think timing is part of it, but also, I mean, you've got to give yourself obviously the time for everything to kind of start to get through the system. But if you're trying to eat a meal to promote sleep, I think you have a better chance of knowing what not to eat than what to eat. And nobody's going to like this, but it's really all about dessert. You just shouldn't have dessert. The influx of, you know, sugar, I mean, there's data to now show it affects melatonin production. You know, it's, it really is towards the end of the night. So you have no opportunity to work it off. So it goes straight to fat. Like it's just, and it sucks. Okay. Like I get it. I love ice cream. It's my, I, if, if, if people always say, if you were stranded on a, on an Island, you could only have one thing. What would it be? My thing would be ice cream. Okay. <laughs> and it, I, it's awful, right? It just, it really clobbers your sleep. And it's and, probably and that, because there's an insulin overproduction of insulin. It causes yeah. an inflammatory response, which uh -huh. studies have shown that if you take a 10 minute walk, that reduces the insulin response after a meal. Or if you do something with some level of intensity, not super high level, but going up and down stairs or kettlebell swings or something that lowers the insulin uh, response as well have no idea. Do, would you know, I mean, in theory that helps with sleep because if the insulin response is the problem, then that should yeah. in theory help with sleep. Absolutely. But I don't think we can give people don't eat ice cream every night. Then okay, that's not what we're saying. Folks. Right, 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 right. Uh, but I do want to, so I'm always looking for the one time that I will do that. Right. So I do give my patient uh, and my, part of my story is, you know, here's the wiggle room. You're going to break the rules yeah. like this. And here's the yeah. best way to break the rules. So if you are going to have dessert, you know, Thanksgiving is next week. Yep. Everybody, you know, everybody's uh -huh. going to break the rules. Yeah. yeah. So, so here's what I say is, you know, here's where the wiggle room is. You just want to pick your poison, right? Mm. So are you staying up late to hang out with family are you drinking alcohol? Is the, the mulled cider your thing? Is it desserts? But it can't be all three. You know what I'm saying? Like, because that's yeah. really like what that. ends up happening is you just you really blow through any any sleep that you had in the inventory, so to speak, which usually is none, and you really just start to deteriorate quickly, right? And so pick your poison and understand that you're going. It, it's cumulative, right? And so that's the other thing is you don't have to be the life of the party every night, right? So you can have a fun night and say dessert tonight and then have a good night. And then because holidays last for a while, at least they do at my house. And so, you know, right. so just be thoughtful about that kind of stuff. And I think you'll probably do okay. Like pumpkin latte, you know, those pumpkin spice things like that shouldn't be, you shouldn't consider that a season. Okay. Like that's not a good sign. 
Okay. (laughs) But you know, a lot of people do like, oh, it's pumpkin latte or pumpkin spice season. I'm like, oh my God, not good. Right. Mm. So you really got to think through some of those choices there. And I mean, the biggest thing I would say that really affects your sleep the most is snacking. So like once you're done, be done. Like that's really the biggest thing because you just keep pushing the the threshold later and later every time you and en- you know enter more food to the system. You know, there's a, a good amount of research indicating a higher incidences of all sorts of diseases with nighttime eating, nighttime snacking, particularly yeah. actually, particularly and even with prostate cancer. So I'm wondering yes. if that's related to poor. You know, they they just made that as a correlation, but with no idea why that is. I'm wondering if because is sleep disruption. Exactly. How, what are the best nutrients, if any, we need to get to REM and deep? That's what we're trying to accomplish. And even as we get older, we want to kind of try to get there unless we know, actually, I don't know that you answered the question, nature or nurture? Why, as we get older, we have a harder time getting, or is it less important as we get older to have so much deep sleep and REM sleep? So deep sleep is really, remember, physical restoration. And as the body, you know, kind of hits that certain stages, there's only so much it's going to continue to go before, you know, the machine starts to break down. And I think that's really what's kind of starting to happen there in in terms of that. But I mean, can you get more deep sleep as you age? Absolutely. Or can you at least maintain this, the deep sleep that you have as you age, yeah, I think the biggest if thing we're is- we're really you- meticulous, Michael, really, I mean, yeah. this is now, you know, I, mm-hmm. I want to be the LeBron James of aging, right? right. I, I, I want to sure. crush right. it. Aging is a sport. I want to train. I want to yep. get, so I am, look, zero alcohol three hours before. I, right. I'm really, you know, meals are, you know, light and, and I do everything right, it, mm-hmm. you know, more likely, will I get, you know, at 60, uh, uh, a decent amount of deep and, and REM sleep? Absolutely. Yes, you yeah. would. You just have I to think, be more consistent and uh, disciplined yeah. with it. Yeah, it, It's really about consistency and discipline. Look, and also I want people to understand something is, you know, what, like what we're talking about here was we're talking about a lot of techniques, right? And so that falls under the category of discipline. Right. So getting up at the same time, eliminate caffeine, know when to have alcohol, all these things. Right. But there's also another side. It's called acceptance. Okay. Sometimes you can do everything right and you still won't sleep. All right. Because there's something else that's going on. Right. The perfect example is my daughter was dating this guy a couple of years ago. He broke up with her, broke her heart. Right. She's crying, very upset. I slept like shit for like two weeks. Okay. I did all the things you're supposed to do correctly. I'm the sleep doctor, right? But I was upset because my daughter was upset, right? Sometimes just sometimes stuff just doesn't work, okay? And there's a reason for that. What I think the reason is has to do with safety. I think if you don't feel safe, you don't sleep, mm-hmm. okay? Whatever that safety is, that could be financial safety, that could be relationship safety, that could be... I don't know, job safety. I mean, there's a million kinds of safety. But when you're health safety, right? But when you're asleep, you're at your most vulnerable point of your 24-hour cycle. If you don't feel safe, I don't think you get to, I don't think you get to REM and deep sleep. Okay? And so the safer you feel, the, the easier it is for your body to get you there, right? And so if you think you have apnea, get it diagnosed and get it treated because when you're, 
cutting off your air because of sleep apnea, your brain doesn't feel safe. And so it wakes you up, right? Like that's a physiological manifestation of it. If you're worried about your daughter, (laughs) you know, then you've got an emotional manifestation, right? And I think it's, I think that's what happens to us. And we have to be able to accept in the moment in the middle of the night and say, well, I guess my body doesn't want to sleep right now. And that's okay. Like my head's not going to pop off. Like, it's not like this has never happened before. Right. You know, like, Mm. it's not like this is some new situation that, oh my God, you know, my arm is going to come flying off my body. No, it's okay. I I might be staying up a little bit longer tonight than I would have hoped. Right. You getting pissed off about it is going in the opposite direction of helping the situation. Okay. Mm. Because all you're doing is jacking up your heart rate, which is icking up your autonomic nervous system, which means you ain't sleeping because you want your sympathetic, not your um, parasympathetic. I mean, you want your parasympathetic, not your sympathetic kicking in. Gotcha. Michael, when so, those days that you're having a sleep issues, is there such thing as paying back your sleep debt or is that done? You can uh, never really pay, pay or, or is it because people are str- <laughs> so people are stressing because they don't they feel like, wow, I had 10 years of sleep deprivation. Yeah. I could never pay that back uh, all that sleep debt right. back so that I'm done. And then they're stressed over that. So they don't sleep. Yeah. So, yeah, what's that? About? I would say that's just dumb. Uh-huh. OK, like like at the end of it all, your body knows how to absorb a lot of pain physical, emotional, all of this stuff. It absorbs a lot of that sleep deprivation. I'll tell you where we see it really come through the worst is with shift workers. Mm. So if I've got somebody who shows up in my office and they say 25 years on the night shift, I know there's going to be all kinds of issues that, and some of which are just not going to be movable, right? And so those are the ones that I think are really where we see that what would be a nurture has a bigger effect than nature, right? On those types of people, but people can be born genetically crappy sleepers. And so then we have to say, okay, let's look at everything around and make sure all of that other stuff is good. Cause we know you're a crappy sleeper anyway. Let's not make it worse. Shift workers. I really highly encourage them to figure out how to have a normal work schedule, higher predisposition to good. everything. Yeah. Yeah. It just, Any- it's not healthy. Any nutrients to so I'll tell you what you I know think, of I think, that helps you get to deep and yes and, and yeah. REM? I know you're gonna you're gonna pound me on this one, so I'm gonna give it to you. So magnesium, yes. What kind? Vitamin threonate, citrate. Ma- I like to start with glycinate because it's easier on the belly, right? And then if that is working for them. I then try to transition them to three and eight because that's got a little bit more supportive data for sleep. Those yeah, are the two that the I like. brain barrier better than the others. Right. Mm-hmm. So I like that because we all know most people are deficient in magnesium. Yep. Um, I like vitamin D because most people are deficient in that as well. Well, let me back up. When somebody shows up and says, Michael, I want a supplement for sleep. I say, go get some blood work and let's fix your deficiencies first. So that's how I always do it. So if they have a magnesium deficiency, that's when we're looking at magnesium. If it's vitamin D, then I'm putting them on anywhere from 2,000 to 5,000 international units a day. um, And we see if we can get that up there. I look at iron, specifically ferritin, because that can have all kinds of restless leg feelings to it. And it needs to be above 60, especially in my female patients. I see a lot of iron, weird iron deficiencies that kind of Mm -hmm. go on there. 
And then the final thing is if they're, if it feels like they're a shift worker or if it feels like their sleep is really wonky or they're super stressed at night, I'll do a melatonin cortisol saliva test. Right. Tell me about melatonin. A lot of people are just using melatonin randomly, you know. Um, really stupid uh, idea. Mm-hmm. Um, so look, melatonin is a hormone. Like I don't know why people don't get this. Like it's, yeah. it's the same reason we prescribe testosterone and estrogen is the same reason why we should be prescribing melatonin. And by the way, if you go outside the United States, it is by prescription only. And yes, there are instances where melatonin makes sense jet lag, shift work, and then people over age 60 or so, when we start to see a melatonin decline, it makes perfect sense to get those folks back on melatonin. So if you're wondering how do we get deep sleep as we age, keep up on your melatonin, make sure that you are, if you have a deficiency, it's being addressed uh, would be number one. Now, to be fair, lots of people are using melatonin that don't need melatonin. And most people are overdosing on melatonin. The appropriate dose is somewhere between a half and one and a half milligrams, right? Mm. Most people can't find it in anything but threes, fives, and tens. And people are giving it to their kids. Like, once again, this is a hormone. Like, I'm not giving hormones to kids, okay? Like, that seems like a really stupid idea, Right. right? But yet there's tons of pediatricians out there who are like, sure, give your kid melatonin to help them sleep. By the way, you just taught your child that they need a pill to sleep. I'm not sure you really want to be doing something like mm, that, right? Mm. As long-term behavioral consequences of something like that are probably pretty immense, right? So like, again, people are not being thoughtful. Also, one thing that people don't know is that high dosages, melatonin is actually a contraceptive. <laughs> people don't realize that, right? And so again, would you want to be giving a contraceptive to a young female developing body where that wasn't a requirement? No, I'm pretty sure you don't want to do that. So I think people need to really be thoughtful when they're taking this. Plus, the other thing that I think a lot of people don't realize is it affects other medications. It it affects antidepressants, diabetes medications, and blood pressure medications because it's a circadian pacemaker, right? And like, you need those things to work when you put them in at a certain time, not, you know what I'm saying? So like at the end of the day, like people are just not thoughtful when it comes to melatonin, because you can walk into the local drugstore and pull it off the shelf and pop it in your mouth. Honestly, now, a lot of practitioners are, 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 are prescribing it. Uh, I, oh, and they don't I know what prescribe it to pilots who are traveling a different time yes. zone. Well, it makes sense. And so, makes sense. So now, melatonin, I will say that don't forget, melatonin is a hell of an antioxidant. Correct. And, anti- and, so, and because of that, likely, there's a lot of literature showing there's anti-cancer activity with absolutely. it, probably because of an antioxidant yeah. benefit. So in guys with high great, high risk of prostate cancer, they are on some chemotherapeutic drug, which that alone interferes with their sleep, right. uh, those kind of those situations. That makes sense, yeah. right? I'd have that person on melatonin. It'd probably be a pretty decent dose, right? So like, again, at the end of the day, it's going to be more situational. Now, I will tell you, there is one group of um, children that melatonin is appropriate in, and it's kids on the autism spectrum. Mm -hmm. Um, There's lots of data to show that those kids do well on like three and four milligrams of melatonin. But again, you need to be thoughtful about what you're doing. And by the way, don't dose dose your kids with Benadryl either, okay? Like that's not a great idea for sleep. Right. Mm -hmm. They have allergies. Yeah, Great allergies. The doctor tells you to give your kid Benadryl during allergy season. Fine. But at the end of the day, if you're parents do do that, right? Parents do give their kids Benadryl for sleep. Absolutely. They never get so they never till it knocks them. It's like alcohol. It knocks them out, but they never get to their phases of sleep. 
Yeah, exactly. Excellent. Bad Last idea. question, I think. How okay. do you know, how do how how does one learn what's their chronotype? So easy. You go to my chrono quiz at chronoquiz.com and you figure it out. But um, there's a couple of different ways you figure it out. And so I've developed a questionnaire that you can take online. Um, I recommend that people do that. It's fun. It's easy. It's it's free. Now you can um, also look at your own genetics. So believe it or not, uh, it's kind of inside 23andMe. So if you've got 23andMe, you can look. They used to have a report on morningness and eveningness. That's a, that gives you kind of an idea of chronotype, not as refined as my four types. They've pretty much got only got two types there. How do look we get your yours, parents. Michael? Say again. How do we get your quiz, your questionnaire? Chronoquiz.com. Excellent. Okay. Great. Yeah. Yeah. Also, look at your genetics. It, it is. This is a genetic thing. So I, you know, I tell people all the time. I remember when I was like nine years old. I'd walk into my parents' bedroom at ten o'clock. I was an only child, so I was always up wandering around. And both my parents were wide awake at 10, 11, 12. It was nothing. My dad would be reading a book and my mom might be watching television, but they were, we were all night owls. And I've been a night owl almost my whole life and I married a night owl. So it worked out okay. How do you work? How do night owls, speaking of night owls, mm-hmm. get good quality sleep? How, what do they have to it do? It is not easy. Yeah. It's not easy at all because a lot of times you're waking up before your body wants to wake up. And so your mm-hmm. body continues to produce a lot of that sleep-related hormones while you're mm-hmm. awake, which makes you feel groggy and logy and lazy and makes mornings terrible and you get into fights with your parents and all that kind of fun stuff. So it's hard to do that. Now, well, what are we starting to see? We are starting to see some variability in school start times which we have started to see, which is not happening fast enough, but we, we are starting to see it. I get a lot of kids to take naps when they come home from school. And that can be super duper helpful because most high schoolers are night owls. That's the thing that most people don't realize that it's biological. I wish I could tell you it didn't happen, but it does. In mo- and especially boys, and I'd say 70 to 80% of boys usually become night owls during high school, and it's just hell to wake them up in the morning. Nature, nurture, once again, for example. Sure. Um, uh, yeah, nature, okay. Nature, yeah, oh, it's biology. What, biology. It's just what happens. I wish I could tell you why. We don't really know exactly yet. We think it Can has we something fight to against do with it. Theory. I mean, in other words, you know, you know, I have, you know, I have a two older girls, one younger son. You know, he's only eleven, but we're thinking ahead. And it's like, okay, no, yeah. listen, you got to shut everything down. Obviously, I don't think technology helps. It gives them, it keeps them wound yeah. up. Yeah, no, engagement doesn't help. Okay, yeah. like I tell people all the time, you need runway to land the plane. Okay, right. And so, you know, if you're playing, you know, Lords of War, whatever game you're playing, <laughs> right, like, exactly. you're not trying to fall asleep. Okay, like. Come on, like if you're scrolling through Facebook, looking at all your friends, you're not trying to fall asleep. Like relax, you know, like, and if you look, if you want to watch television, I don't give a shit, watch television. But you know, I know what's going to happen. Set the timer, close your eyes and listen to it because it'll be just enough of a distraction so that you don't get monkey mind and start thinking about all the stuff you should have said and should have done today. And then you'll fall asleep, right? Mm. Like, like just be practical about all of this, right? I mean, Isn't that's that what the I, time I, when they're teenagers that they need a lot because their body's developing and they need so much, yeah. you know? Dude, their frontal just- lobe isn't fully developed until they're 25. Come on. They need as much sleep as they can get. And they don't get a lot of it because of devices, because of, you know, too much Adderall in the world. I mean, you know, caffeine, like the list goes on and on. Wow. All right. 
Final thoughts, <laughs> Dr. Michael Bruce. Final thoughts. So Here's our, what I'm the audience is mostly men here. Yeah. A lot of them, you know, throughout the different ages, a lot of middle age to senior men that are listening. What do yeah. they need to do? So here's what I'll tell you is number one, if you snore and somebody says that they think they hear you stop breathing even once, do yourself a favor and get a sleep apnea test. You can do it at home. You don't have to go into a hospital to do it. How do you do it at home? Actually, if you go to my website at thesleepdoctor.com, we sell them. They're like 180 bucks. So it's not super expensive. It's really much, it's really more of a yes or a no. And it lets you know if you've got it. It gives you some information about severity, which is helpful. But if you think you've got it, get tested. It's There are multitudes of treatments out there. It's Not everybody ends up on a CPAP machine. And if you've got it and you answer that question, so many other things for your health will probably fall in line in a positive way. And I think that helps with longevity. Um, that helps with uh, sexual function. That helps with you know cognitive function, like all of the above. So if you think you could have sleep apnea, or if somebody has heard your snoring, start and stop, do yourself a favor and get tested. It's 180 bucks or 190 bucks. Like it's not going to kill you. Good. So that's that's number one. Number two, regularize your sleep schedule. Wake up at the same time seven days a week. Doesn't have to start all at once. You can just try to do it six days a week. Just try to keep your work schedule so that you wake up at roughly the same time on Saturday and give yourself an extra hour to sleep in on Sunday. I don't care. Just get yourself there over the course of a month, let's say. You need What's to rip the you can wake up aloud? One hour later. And so what's a good time? So some, I mean, can anybody wake uh, waking up at 10 a.m. every morning? Is that still okay? Or is there yeah. a t- Yeah. Just wake up wake at the time. same time. Yeah. Just it's same same time, whatever. If you don't go to bed till two and you can wake up at 10 and your boss doesn't shoot you, uh, that's great, right? Great. But keep it consistent. Consistency breeds better quality sleep across the board, okay? Just like and exercise, the, actually. Yeah. Right. As does exercise. Yeah. Um, exercise. The, the, the line is consistency is more important than intensity in my yes. world. And, yeah. And, and I, I agree with that. I, I think mobility really is the third one, which is you if you stay mobile, you will sleep better. Right. It's just because you're not in pain. You're not becoming more frail. Your body is active and it requires sleep. If you don't do shit, your body doesn't want to sleep. OK. Yeah. It's like, you know, like if you don't get out and are active, your body doesn't need to recover not nearly as much. And so that affects you. And so staying active allows your body to recover. I'm not saying go to exhaustion. I'm saying be active, have purpose, you know, get involved, have community, you know, and, you know, talk to people, get out there, do the things you want to do, walk, work out, swim, bicycle, whatever it is, you know, walk your dog. I don't care. Just do something to be part of a community and thrive. That's how we live longer as healthy men You know, that's how we have purpose in our lives is to be able to, you know, contribute. And so getting a good night's sleep just helps you contribute in whatever way, shape and form you want to. Blue light glasses. I I wanted to impress you to with what I couldn't find mine. I wanted to impress you and wear them, but I couldn't find mine. Should we wear them? If so, when? It's the thing. Nobody's curing their insomnia with blue light blocking glasses. Okay. I want to be super clear about Mm. that. Mm. Um, I use mine when I travel, because if I'm traveling to another country, I can uh, limit the sunlight exposure, which helps me adapt quicker so I don't get jet lag. So I find them to be very useful for uh, when I'm traveling. 
But other than that, no, I'm not wearing them on a regular basis. Could you and would they be helpful? Yes. Do I personally do it? No. That's a good one. That's a good one. You know, I see some people wearing them all the time. I was like, is that your look cool uh, approach? I don't or? know what they're doing. Like Dave Asprey wears them all the time. And I'm always like, Dave, you look that's stupid. What are you doing? Michael, and, and this is really the last question. And thank you so much for, for all the information you shared with us. How do we know? Who, who, like, We even have a mutual friend who seems to have like real insomnia. Hmm? Like, like. How do we know that the inability to sleep properly and they self-diagnose with insomnia is just a matter of you know creating new habits and doing new things versus, no, this is serious, real insomnia? Well, to be super fair, that's why people come to me. And so I make that judgment call. And then I will oftentimes put them, enroll them into like significant cognitive behavioral therapy where we have a very highly focused approach. I'm, I still see patients and do, I like this kind of work. It's very structured. Uh, people meet with me weekly. They keep a sleep diary. I have an aura ring on them. If they're currently using sleeping pills, I get, I work with their physician. We taper them off the sleeping pills and we put them on better sleeping habits. I base it all on their chronotype and their sleep cycles, which I catch through their aura ring. It's all very, it's all very performance based. We also then, uh, you know, enforce meditation, relaxation. We teach them breathing so that way they know what to do to be able to help them fall asleep at night. They understand the metrics to look at and when not to look at them too much. And then we have a morning routine that helps them wake up in the morning without having the need for caffeine. We get them usually down to one caffeinated beverage a day and then everybody's rocking and rolling. Is there ever a time, so even for prostate problems, I'm a natural guy, I do all natural. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I'm like, you need a little Flomax, you need a little Flomax, mm -hmm. and it helps. Yeah. Is there ever a time where Absolutely. someone needs a, a medication like Ambien or whatever for sleep? Absolutely. I mean, so I want to be super clear, like number one, medications are good and important. I think medications can do a great job of breaking the cycle of insomnia but some people, unfortunately, got stuck on medications. I have patients that show up have been on Ambien for 18 years. You know, like that happens all the time. Now, to be fair, if nothing's going wrong, I'm not so sure that's the worst thing in the universe. I will tell you that if you take Ambien for extended periods of time, you will have cognitive decline. There's no question about it. Like, I mean, to be clear, you are doing all kinds of things to your brain chemistry. You have to expect that you will have cognitive decline. If that is a big important factor for you, then no, you probably shouldn't be taking sleeping pills for extended periods of time. I want to be clear about something else. I am not your doctor, okay? Do not just all of a sudden rip yourself off your sleeping pills. That is a conversation between you and your doctor. And you need to be able to express to your doctor, hey, I'm comfortable on this. Or, hey, I think I've been on this too long. Or, hey, I'd like to come off. How do we go about doing something like that? That's usually where people like me come in, where I work with you know physicians. We come up with a very gradual taper schedule and we get people off of it. Now, I'll tell you this, when we break the cycle of insomnia, it's never taken less than three months on drug ever. So we have to keep people on drug for several kind of cycles through their insomnia because insomnia is a bitch. Like mm -hmm. it just goes and goes and it, it's not 30 days on a drug. At least that's never been my experience. I've never gotten somebody um, to sleep well in less than three months. And that's putting them on drug for three months and then having to taper them off for about six weeks. Awesome. Awesome. 
Dr. Michael Bruce, thank you so much for being on, brother. Wow, what this was, I wouldn't say a masterclass because it's like, what, an hour and 10 minutes? But man, there's a lot of great information here. Thank you I'm so much for being on, brother. <laughs> hey, it's my pleasure. I'm super excited to have had the opportunity to be here. And people should know that I refer patients to Dr. Gio. Like, mm. like he's my guy. He's my go-to guy <laughs> for all of this type of stuff. So you're listening to the master for sure. And thanks that. again uh, for having me on the show. By the way, if people want to get in touch with me, Dr. Gio knows how. Um, he can get you my email personally or swing by the website, thesleepdoctor.com. You can see kind of some of the fun stuff stuff we're doing there. Excellent. I'll be in a sleep notes. Thanks so much, Michael. Everyone have a great day or a pleasant night and stay safe and stay healthy. All the best. See you next time. Sweet dreams. Sweet dreams. Our next sponsor partner has a product I use literally every day. I'm talking about AG1. You know, I've been using green powders mixed in drinks for a long time, and it has not always been a great experience, right? The powder clumps up a little bit. It tastes horrible, but you know what? You chug it anyway because it's good for you. AG1 changed the game. In AG1, you have 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source ingredients, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day the right way. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, and energy to help you recover and focus and help you age successfully. To make it easy, AG1 is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com forward slash Dr. Geo. Again, that is athleticgreens.com forward slash Dr. Geo to take ownership of your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. And now for a brief disclaimer. This podcast is for general information only, and we're not forming a doctor-patient relationship through this medium. The use of the information and all links associated with this podcast is at the listener's risk and is not to replace medical advice from a physician or a healthcare practitioner. Lastly, Thoughts and opinions related to this podcast are my own and may not reflect the views of any institution or organization I'm associated with. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Dr. Geo podcast. You can watch all episodes of this podcast and much more by subscribing to my YouTube channel on youtube.com forward slash Geo Espinoza ND. If you love what you heard today, you can help by leaving a five-star review of the podcast on Apple and Spotify, as each review helps us reach more men who are serious about improving their urological health and how to function better with age. And for the latest research and actionable takeaways in the world of men's health and integrative urology, sign up for my newsletter at drgeo.com. I'll see you next time.